This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Scoop. Hey everyone, we're back. It's a Ducks update podcast for their forever mighty postseason show. We don't do games, um, but we want to talk about our duckies here during the Stanley Cup final. So what's happening? We got all three of us here today. Yay! We made it. Jason makes his triumphant return after getting roasted in our Discord chat. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't contribute anything. Apparently, I'm I'm just an observer. I was like, I was sitting there, I was like, holy crap! You, you guys are a holes. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. When was I this? Mean, I, this is, uh, yesterday, the like the day before yeah. yesterday. Oh wow, I didn't yeah. see this. I gotta go check yeah. that out. Chris Smith came to his defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, what? Uh, I think it was uh, Bombay was just saying. He's just like, what ripping. Is, what is he contri- yeah, I know. Yeah, it was. Uh, what is because of the draft show. <laughs> Uh, no, I think, uh, yeah, I think possibly because the draft show, so I wasn't there. I don't know. So, I don't know. Yeah, you said, yeah, you said something about that, and you said something about, like, how Jason, uh, almost like he was drunk on the show before, and Jason was like, yeah, it was a drunk pot. <laughs> yeah, it was a drinking <laughs> show. So, Bombay is being Bombay. <laughs> yeah. But we're back. We've got uh, plenty of stuff to talk about. Mostly, I mean, the docs are just sitting on their hands uh, waiting to hire a coach. For whatever reason, they don't want to hire a coach. They're just waiting around. Maybe, you know, Bobby's so old school, he's just going to nah. wait until the Stanley Cup playoffs are over because every every possibility has to be uh, <laughs> sought out there, right? You can't can't let anything go go beyond, um, you know, a team being, having someone available, but they won't let you talk to them because they're playing. Well, about the only way they're going to get talked about right now is if they're not doing something right. So we might as well just wait a little bit, see if the Ducks' name can get in the headlines. But, uh this is also something that he said at Bob's breakfast was that he was going to wait till the playoffs were over before they named a head coach. So he's just holding on to that. But at this point, all sides are pretty much pointing to, to Eakins. I mean, there's a couple of fringe ones, but no one with real head coaching experience. So my opinion is going to Eakins. It's just you know, wait until the playoffs are over. It's a formality at this point. I don't know. Yeah, we got, he, I got a lot going you on. You never want to be the last guy, though, right? Like, you never want – they're the last team now. Everybody else has hired a coach. You know, Buffalo's got a coach. Uh, who else came in and got a coach? Ottawa got a coach. Like, yeah. everybody's Philly's, coming Philly's got now one a couple months ago now. got one, except for the Ducks. Yep. They just – they. I don't know. I don't know what it is about them with, with uh, waiting around. But, like, more exciting things have happened in the league. I mean, no. Jeff Skinner just signed a monster deal. 
Um, Kevin Hayes just went to the Philadelphia Flyers, at least his rights did. Now they got to kind of convince him to want to sign there and play for Elaine Vino again. But uh, Bob's just doing his, uh, he's the old time hockey guy. I don't want to interrupt anyone's business. I don't want to stir the pot. I'm just going <laughs> to sit back here and then uh, make the calculated move at the end of the playoffs. But we got that. We got trade rumors swirling around. Um, the athletic articles are blowing up about the Ducks, which is great, thanks to Dillman, Cooper, and Stevens. So uh, mm-hmm. plenty of stuff going on. Ed, where do you stand, or like, how many candidates are there really? Uh, basically, what uh, what's been out there? Like five or six? Yeah, Eric Stevens put out an article saying that there was five. There was, you know, when we had our coaching candidate show back, I think what was this? Almost back during the regular season. Now we did a Patreon show where we had our top 10 coaching candidates and some of those guys have kind of been crossed off too. And, and some of them are on this list and then some of them just didn't even get mentioned. And, you know, we had Bronberg who, who we had listed as a candidate. And I think some people had thought was a candidate. I think even Elliot Friedman had mentioned that, you know, the ducks would be a good team for him to go to. And then obviously he ends up staying in Europe. Uh, and then, you know, Eric Stevens now comes out and says that there's five different guys and uh, that's been narrowed pretty much down to four. Uh, presumably because Scott Sandlin, who was one of the guys on that list, who was a coach at the University of Minnesota, uh, he's apparently working on signing an extension. So that list that was now five has been cut down to four. And uh, it's, of course, Dallas Eakins is part of that list. And then you've got Rick Bonus and Todd Nelson, assistant coaches with the Dallas Stars. And then uh, you've got, who's the other guy? Todd, no, Todd Nelson and Rick Bonus, Lane Lambert was the uh, the assistant coach with Barry Trotz and the Islanders. So not the uh, not the biggest names, but I guess the list is down to four. But it, it, like Egan still seems like the favorite. Like he has to. Like you look at those names, most people probably haven't heard of them, and I guess most Ducks fans are hearing, maybe hearing them for the first time now that they're linked with the team. How do you feel if you're Dallas Eakins right now, though? Like you pay your dues, you, you develop, you're developing players for the big club, <laughs> Um, and they're turning out great in Anaheim. All these, I mean, I know that a lot of it has to do with who the Ducks are selecting and all, but he does a great job with young players. People love him down in San Diego. Um, and then you're sitting around, and you just took your, your your team to the Calder Cup Conference Final, and they're not giving you the not giving you the papers right away to sign to become the next head coach. They're like, no, we're gonna we're gonna search through here. Like, if they end up not giving it to him at the end of this. Does he even want to stay in San Diego at that point? Like, it's just, it blows me away that they're just dragging their feet with this whole Eakins thing. Especially because the Sam Willies has said they wanted him. They want him to be the coach. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's, um, it's not unlike the Ducks to kind of do that as well. Cause I thought, uh, you know, a while back, I thought Paul McLean, they brought him in to do the power play. It went number one. And then they were looking for a new coach after Boudreaux. And it seemed like, uh, he would be the next likely candidate. He did so well with the power play. And then they just turned around and said, no, nah, you did a good job. You did everything we asked. You excelled at it, but we're going to go with Randy Carlisle. So it's not unlike them to, to disc coaches that way. Uh, but I really think that Eakins was always kind of in the talk. He may not have been the front runner necessarily, uh, but then just given the fact that the Samuelis gone down to watch games in San Diego for the playoffs, see the atmosphere, the excitement behind that one, and what he was able to do in the playoffs pretty much solidified it. Why they haven't done it, my only assumption is they're just waiting until the playoffs are over. I think it's a formality. All these other names that are floating out there, they probably got their due thing, but really it was they just said, well, we're not giving anybody the job out of the gate. We're going to really kind of cast a wide net and take a look at everything. But it's all, in my opinion, tongue-in-cheek. It's just, it's now it's Eakins, and I don't know why they're waiting, but they said they would, so they're just waiting. So I'd imagine sometime next week it'll be him. 
it's not like the candidates they brought in either are like much better than Dallas Aikens. They pretty much have the the same experience, maybe less than Aikens has. Right now, he's the only one that's being interviewed that is a head coach of a team. I know it's in the AHL. Uh, and then the only, the, you know, a couple of them have past coaching experience. I believe Bonus was a head coach in Phoenix back in, I think, 2003. Uh, Todd Nelson started uh, the season with the Oilers, I think, the year after Dallas Higgins got fired. And then uh, he took over and had a pretty decent season. And then they went with Todd McClellan. So that's it for his head coaching experience. The other three are all assistant coaches in the NHL. Now with teams that did well this year, and I guess surprised, probably two of the most surprising teams in the league in Dallas and the New York Islanders. But it's not like, you know, it, it's a list where, like, you know, some of these guys have a legitimate shot to take it from him. Like, Dallas Higgins has been the favorite all season because he's part of the organization. It's not like you have a Joel Quenville that you're interviewing or a guy who's been head coach for a long time or, you know, some guys we mentioned, like Aline Vigneault, you know, we didn't want them, but they have a resume as a head coach in the NHL. You know, these guys are pretty much at, at equal with Dallas Higgins, maybe a little bit less, depending on how you look at head coaching experience in the AHL. But they're still taking their time. Like you said, they're casting a wide net and, and looking at four or five different guys, maybe more. I mean, these are the only five names that have seemed to come out. I know at one point, I think Elliot Friedman mentioned that Paul Vincent, who coaches the Manitoba Moose in the AHL, was a guy that could be rumored. We've heard you know all year different names come up and down that have kind of disappeared now. But I, I don't see how it's not going to go to Dallas Aikens, but it is weird they haven't announced it. Like Every other team has gone with it. It's weird that they want to wait until after the playoffs. They're going after guys that are all defensively, um, I guess you could say, it's like they're, for lack of a better word, they're forte. Yeah, defensively, yeah, yeah. that's the word I'm looking for. Like Rick Bonus, same thing, um, serving under John Cooper in Tampa. Uh, and you look at Lane Lambert, right? Same thing, or Lambert, same thing. Um looking at a defensive guy. So that's those are the those are the probably the stronger candidates I would say outside of Eakins. Todd Nelson, I just I don't know how I feel about him, but where do you guys stand on Lane Lambert and uh, Rick Bonus? I I don't think like again, they're, they're all so equal. And and the thing that worries me a little bit about them is we talked about this when the Lane Lambert news came out is how good of a coach is he? You know, he's with Barry Trotz, who's arguably the best coach in the league right now and has been maybe for the last couple of seasons and what he did in Washington and what he's done with the Islanders. How good is he really? You know, Paul McLean, like you said, he came in and did well in Anaheim, but does that translate to a head coaching job? Can he really take over his own team and, and replicate some of the success that Barry Trotz has had? A lot of coaches, when they're an assistant coach for a long time with a coach, they start developing some of the traits that that coach had. Is that necessarily going to work in Anaheim? And maybe the same goes for 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 Bonus, who for five I think five seasons was with John Cooper in, in Tampa Bay. Probably has a little bit of similar traits to what John Cooper has, and then obviously his own coaching style. And like you said, he kind of puts defense first. How much of that is there's how much of their success is based on arguably the top two coaches in this league, or is it actually their own merit? Yeah, kind of like almost like with uh, Detroit, little, going a little bit further back here, but Detroit with Mac, uh, Mike Babcock and then Dave Lewis. And it was like, oh, yeah, you know, he's had great success with Detroit. Babcock leaves and then Detroit kind of falls apart anyways as far as the team. And so it's uh, 
you know, you kind of have, if they don't have that head coaching experience, it's hard to put them in a class above Eakins at this point. They all have kind of the same head coaching experience a little bit here and there. But I feel if, if you're going to transition to a younger team, we got a ton of prospects coming up. I mean, there's a good chance four or five, you know, uh, goals make the roster this year. Why not have a coach that's been coaching him for the last four years in there? And he's got an attacking style, which we want to see more of as far as offense goes. Uh, you know, moving forward next season with a younger, quicker game. So it just seems Eakins all the way. The other guys, they're nice, but I just don't think that they're going to overtake what Eakins is going to do. Got to be able to talk to the millennials, and he's been doing that. Mm-hmm. You got to be able Explain to talk to those why. kids. Why? You got to show them all the video in the world. You got to send them video on their iPhones, on their tablets. That's you got to, you got to explain it all to them. I don't understand a problem the, with that. Yeah, I mean, there there are like there are merits to to these guys. Like you look at what Rick Bonus did with a really young blue line in Dallas, and you could say that could transition well to the Ducks. But his task last year was to focus on the defense, just like Todd Nelson in Dallas was his task was to focus on the offense. And you know the the Dallas offense wasn't that great last year, other than really Radulov and and at, and I guess Sagan and at times Jamie Ben, and they kind of struggled. The defense for for Dallas has always been good, but a lot of it that was Ben Bishop as well. Can't you know? And in a head coaching job, it's different. He's got to focus on everything. So, you know, he'll come in and obviously it seems like he's a defense first coach. He'd probably gel well with that blue line, but what's that going to do for the offense? And we looked at the Ducks' offense last year. Really struggled under Randy Carlisle's system. You know, not to say that this team couldn't benefit from having a defense-first approach, but they need to develop a system where they can score goals. And you know, can he do that? We don't know. We really haven't seen him. He didn't work with an offense. He hasn't been a head coach in a long time. So you're taking a risk with any of these guys, I think, especially guys in assistant coaching positions, because generally they deal with one part of the team. Like we said, bonus with the defense. You had. Todd Nelson with the offense and the power play. You have Lane Lambert in in the Islanders dealing with one part of Barry Trotz's team, but with I guess Sandlin before he got uh, before he was taken out of the mix and Dallas Aikens, at least you know that these guys have had recent experience running an entire team and understanding how that works and being able to fully understand that at a, at, a, at a you know a recent with re- recent experience. So. I still think that makes Dallas Aikens a favorite, especially because he's worked with a lot of the, the Ducks players, uh, and, and it's just less of a risk. And we know how much Bob Murray loves to not have to take risks. He <laughs> likes to go with the low risk, high reward. Dallas Aikens seems like the lowest risk with the, the highest possible reward at this point. So I think what we got to say here is that um, he's doing this whole thing to show that he's checking every nook and cranny in the NHL, and then to kind of come back and be like, well, yeah, let's just give it to Dallas Aikens. And that's going to be my final coaching hire, most likely, because I don't think Bobby's going to be around after the draft, uh, the expansion draft. So it, it's it's the easy move. But why the hell wasn't Dave Tippett part of these conversations? Curious. Are why wasn't Ricard Lomberg part of these conversations? Yeah, that too. Like, what happened with, like, everyone thought that Dave Tippett uh, was going to be, what, the next coach Seattle. up in Seattle. But he was the head of player this or that up in, up in Seattle with a new team. And then goes to Edmonton. Like that's there's still a lure though. There's still like Edmonton has this the history behind it. They've got Connor McDavid. There's a whole thing like they're supposed to be good, and you know a coach wants that opportunity. Like you look what how Edmonton has just struggled with coach. We thought Todd McClellan was going to come in there and be the guy based on what he did in San Jose, and it didn't work out there. And they couldn't figure things out. A lot of it's because the team is just built poorly. They don't have any depth. I think you could throw any coach. 
Yeah, you can throw any you throw any head coach in with that Edmonton team last year. They're not probably not going to make the playoffs because it's just Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, and that's it. I feel bad for Dave Tippett because it's going to be a tough season for him, especially because he's already come out and said that he wants to play McDavid with Draisaitl, which means they're going to have to somehow find some depth in that offense and free agency or at the draft or something. But uh, I, I get it. I understand it. I mean, if you're looking at the two situations right now, where would you rather go, Anaheim or Edmonton? And then you look at the history of the teams and then what it means to be the coach of the Edmonton Oilers. It makes sense for Dave Tippett to kind of move out of Seattle where you know he had a good chance to maybe have a big role there like he already did or become the head coach there and go to Edmonton and coach like, arguably the best player in the league. I mean, yeah, I just surprised that it, it, like there was no conversation about Anaheim being interested in him since he's a, a seasoned NHL guy. And they're already talking to guys who don't have head coaching experience in the NHL very recently and some guys who don't have any at all. So just curious about why they didn't do that. But are we all in agreement here? It's going to be Dallas Eakins. It's got to be. If it's not him, I'm going to be blown away. Unless he doesn't want it. I think it's his job if he wants it. Yeah, I would I would assume he wants it, right? Like, I, yeah. again, I think, like we've said, Bob Murray is just kind of checking every nook and cranny, like you said, casting a wide net, trying to show that he, you know, and, and maybe not even just trying to show, just making sure he's covering all his bases, checking what's out there, seeing if maybe some guy can come in and wow them and based on what they say and what they find out about this guy. And looking at similar options to Dallas Aikens, you could argue that, you know, these guys, Todd Nelson, Bonus, and uh, Lane Lambert are some of the best options when it comes to assistant coaches out there that are available. So we, you know, we had listed Todd Nelson in our coaching candidates back when we did this before, uh, and there's only a few other assistant coaches in the NHL that we had listed, and you know some of these guys have taken off. You know, Sheldon Keefe was a guy that I think we all thought would be a really good rival if you had to pick between Dallas Eakins and Sheldon Keefe. I think a lot of people were split, and then he resigned with the Marlies. So, you know, they're they're decent options, but. It's always been pretty much most of the season. It felt like it was Dallas Higgins' job, not just based on what he did and the fact that he's in the organization, but what not only Bob Murray but the owners have said. It just kind of seems like it was his job, and they just got to make sure that they're not missing out on somebody else that could be better. They've got to check those bases. they got to make sure that this is the right hire because it was a horrible season, and they got to make sure they move on with the right guy from Randy Carlisle. The other thing, too, is they could also be interviewing these guys and asking if they want to take on an assistant role and basically say, hey, you know, if, if you're willing to move over here, there's a potential. If the Dallas Eakins thing doesn't work out in a season or two, you're within the organization, you know these players, you might get that opportunity to jump back up. Or they might even want to just hear what their thoughts are, what the team needs, or what direction to go. And all that is good information for the GM to maybe think about, contemplate moving forward. So you're not going to hurt anything by getting more input from other people especially outside the organization uh, and that can kind of help direct you in the future even if you don't necessarily go to hire that person it's going to be Todd Nelson or Dallas Eakins but it's going to be Dallas Eakins I think running the helm there the only bummer is is that the guy with the nicest hair out of all these candidates is Lane Lambert and he's probably not going to get the job he he's definitely nice got, he's got the best hockey flow for sure uh, okay, he's got he, that he pretty sharp, sharp style. He's got the he's... sharp style. He's got the the, the comb back look. He hasn't gotten any bald <laughs> spots on top. Dallas Eakins has got like that substitute teacher hair, that uh, with the part on there. I'm not digging it. I, I I'm gonna miss seeing good hair behind the bench. You know, after Randy yeah, Carlisle, okay. I don't know who's gonna top it. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Boudreaux. <laughs> oh, <yeah, geez. laughs> Or Bob 
Murray even. Oh, yeah, we, we yeah, need some man. hair back there. We don't like guys, uh, no coaches with facial hair and no coaches with hair on the top of their head either. We, we got rid of yeah, that. That's why, once, once well, let's be honest, that's why Gromberg didn't get the job, right? Because he has that yeah. beautiful beard. Yeah, the nice beard. They didn't want to commit to it. They were intimidated by the Swedish beard. They very much were. Same with the walrus. That's why he didn't get it. Yeah, he had, he had all the sense now. Yeah. yeah. Can't do it. Can't have hair. It's definitely Dallas Eakins. What do we got next, Ed? Uh, well, there's been trade rumors, I guess, dating back to about two weeks. Not just with the Ducks, but just a lot of guys kind of wanting out of different teams. The Ducks have been linked to a few of them. I think the first one that came out was Jason Zucker. That uh, and it came out with the Phil Kessel news at the same time because it was rumored that they were going to swap Phil Kessel for Jason Zucker. That didn't <laughs> Phil, Phil shut that down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he wasn't. Uh, he didn't seem like he wanted to go to Minnesota. But in that same article where they mentioned that that Phil Kessel could possibly get swapped for Jason Zucker, they listed Anaheim as one of the possible destinations or teams interested in Zucker. And it's interesting because it feels like every time the Ducks play Minnesota, Jason Zucker either scores or has a very good game. He seems to be one of those guys that jumps up and, and plays well against the Ducks. And he's not a bad player. You know, three straight over 20-goal seasons. His best season was two years ago where he had 33 goals and 64 points. Other than that, he hasn't passed 50. So... He is only 27. He was kind of a late bloomer. He is a left wing, could fit on the Ducks, but does this not feel like a move you make if you think you're going to be competitive? You like If you're going to get Jason Zucker, you're probably moving out a younger player or prospect to get him. I don't know who you would trade on this team as a roster player, unless it's maybe Adam Henrique, to go out and, and do a one-for-one type deal. I don't think we need another 40-point guy who makes $5 million. and just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. That's that's the biggest problem I have. He's got uh, a limited no trade clause because he has to submit a ten team no trade list. So obviously Anaheim's not on that list, or I don't think this article would be out there. Um, but he's got four years left on his deal. We'll put him at thirty one. But it, we don't need another forty point guy. I, I just don't need another, another twenty goal scorer taking up a, a wing spot that someone who could come in from San Diego and produce for it. That's I, I think it's a dumb move if Anaheim makes it. Yeah, I'd agree, and I don't like the route of taking Henrique out because, once again, the, the center depth is a question mark for me, for the Ducks, if you start moving out your top two centers, especially with Kessler not coming back. Um, so I, I'd hate to do that for a wing, and I can maybe understand, well, hey, maybe he can slot in the top line with Getzloff and maybe he'll gel. That seems like it's been uh, you know, chasing the, the dragon on that one for all of Getzloff's and Perry's career. Since Bobby Ryan. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they've been chasing that dragon for a while, and I don't think uh, Zucker is much of it uh, a, a difference maker. And, yeah, that price point is too high. Uh, like I said, he, he's it was two years removed from as high as 33 goals. I don't think he's going to necessarily hit that mark again. And are you willing to pay another 20-plus million dollars for the next four years trying to keep him here and who are you going to ship out for it? it? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's you know just pulling at something just because he has a Southern California connection. I believe he grew up here, was born here. From Newport Beach. Beach. Newport, yeah. So, you know, we'll see. So it, it makes sense why they maybe want to look at it. That, but yeah, unless – there's just not a lot of calorie or calorie salary cap room to really bring him aboard, and I just don't see much of a fit. The Ducks want to go younger and quicker, like they started to do last year, and what they're probably going to do this year. Yeah, it, you're bringing in, I guess, another Jakob Silverberg, right? Like that's essentially the type of player you're bringing—a good two-way guy who can score twenty, maybe, maybe hit thirty goals, right? I know Zucker's done it, Silverberg hasn't, but they're fairly similar, I think, in what you're going to get. They're both around the same age. Zucker's twenty-seven, so. 
I, I don't see the point in it. Again, unless you're trading prospects to bring him in and you think you're going to be competitive. If you're swapping a Henrique or even swapping a Silverberg for Jason Zucker, what what's the point at that point? You know, you just signed both Henrique and Silverberg to longer-term deals. It doesn't make sense. You're not going to move a cash. You know, if you can somehow get a steal, I guess, where you can move out Richie and maybe some other cap space somewhere and bring in Zucker and try and be competitive there, sure. But it doesn't really sure. fit with what the Ducks are trying to do, what it seems like they're trying to do. I mean, they're all over the place, I guess. You know, they're talking about yeah. rebuilding and trying to get younger and bringing in a less experienced coach. But then also there's rumors that they're out trying to go get Patrick Marlowe and bring him oh, in again and, you know geez. so good segue it, yeah like it, it it's it's weird because you've got you've got left wingers obviously it seems like they're looking for left wingers when you you know the only two names they've been linked in officially linked to, to are jason zucker and patrick Marlowe, and those are, are is both that left real wingers. where'd you hear the Marlowe news is it really Elliot, have yeah. i been sleeping Elliot on that Friedman, oh my uh, god mentioned on primetime sports that the ducks could be uh, interested in patrick Marlowe, and he, he was he was referencing the fact that they were interested to in him when the sharks were trading him originally when uh he ended up moving to toronto so it it, it maybe it's just him saying they did be a good fit or they could be interested because they were before or it could be him saying that they are kind of sniffing around again. I don't really know. The, the connection here is that Mar- obviously Toronto is in pretty much cap hell. And uh, this is the whole reason why Marlowe even went to Toronto is they gave him that third year. They gave him that third year at $6.5 which wasn't pretty. They were paying him for the first two years, and now they're trying to find a way out of it. The problem is they're going to have a hard suitor. He's got a way of a no-trade clause on top of that. Uh, he did sell his home or his home's up for sale in Toronto for about 12 million. I don't know if that's Canadian, but he's looking to kind of move out. And I think he wants to move back towards Southern California or California in general. The problem is Kings are a no go. They're in cap hell anyways. And really Toronto, you can't move it. You can't move him to the ducks. Ducks aren't really looking for a guy to pay six and a half million dollars for one more season, unless they're getting some sort of huge, you know, uh, prospect return to, to keep him for one year. I don't know if that's maybe an opportunity, but it doesn't, it's not aligned with what anything the Ducks have tried to do. So I think it's Toronto trying to find some way to be relevant because uh, now everyone cares about basketball in Toronto. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think it's just trying to find something. <laughs> for, so I did see the article from, uh, you know, a friend of the show, John Maxfield. He put something up for Pucks with Feather that said, trade. Trade him for Patrick Eves, and in return, the, so that gets like it basically cuts the cap hit in half, right? Because you're getting rid of Patrick Eves, who makes about three, and then in return, the Ducks we get Casperi Kapanen, Andreas Johansson, or Jeremy Bracco, or Timothy uh, Lundgren. Uh, I only know Andreas John. Is it Johnson or, or Johansson? I, I don't yeah, know. It's Johnson. Johnson. Johnson, yeah. Johnson and then Casperi Kapanen. I only know those two guys. I don't know the other two prospects you mentioned in there, but yeah, like what you said, Jay. That's the only way. That it really yeah. would make sense. Is you get a piece. You, you get, get a piece, piece that, you that you need. You eat the cap hit, but at the same time, the Leafs cut their cap hit in half by taking back. Yeah, I mean, Eves. they essentially cut it all because Eves, if if he can't He'll play, he buried. goes on the LTIR. Yeah, and yeah. then they they completely wipe. So again, that that would be the only way it makes sense, and it's not a bad deal for the Ducks at that point because, like you know, Jason, you've said this before. They're they're in a market where they they kind of have to be competitive. They can't be bad forever. And not saying bringing Marlowe in makes you a Stanley Cup contender, but at least gives you a guy who can play, right? It gives you a guy who can play. I don't, I don't like it because it takes up space, 
and, and you know you would bring in two guys who could play Marlowe and somebody else and it can make you somewhat competitive so I get it in that sense but it does take up roster spots can you can you see uh, uh, Marlowe uh, gets off and Perry forming a formidable old man line. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you know that would probably get a chance, a good look. The second they struggle a little bit, it's like, all right, we're going to do something crazy here. Flashback to the early two thousands. We got an all star <laughs> team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put all put all the old boys on the same line. Oh yeah, you can definitely see that here, happening. That, he would start that. He would start that line. That was my oh, we story. lost Jason. <laughs> no, that's I got excited about the old man line. <laughs> it was uh, the other part of this too that I laugh about is. How bad that Patrick Marlowe contract turned out to be for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> the yeah. only thing it did was uh, is he, you know, he got these. Uh, no, we knew it was yeah. terrible. Three years yeah. it was terrible. I don't think they were anticipating getting Tavares and then being, oh crap, okay, we actually got Tavares. Crap, how's this last year going to work out now? I think they're kind of, they got surprised they picked up Tavares and now, crap, we can't let Marner go. And really, the, the guy is the odd man out there is going to be. Marla. So they're they're desperate to find Cap to get um, yeah. um, uh, Marner on on board. Yeah, I mean, well, let's move into another team that's also in Cap out because there's a lot of guys rumored in and out uh, in its Winnipeg. Uh, J- Jacob Truba is apparently rumored to possibly be out of there. Patrick Line, uh, and this isn't just you know we hear this all the time. Sometimes with guys who are going to sign do uh, a restricted free agents and available for offer sheets, where you hear they might want out, but David Pagnota got on NHL uh, NHL Network Radio and said that Patrick Line wants out of Winnipeg and he's going to explore all other options. <laughs> Who's the guy? Who uh, David that? Pagnota. He's the uh, the creator of the fourth period. Uh, okay. Yeah. So he got on NHL Network and said that Patrick Line wants out of Winnipeg. You know that that doesn't mean it's true, but no. not like he's you know a just a no name guy on Twitter saying that Patrick Line wants out. Don't know if that's true, but it that that's what Winnipeg's working toward, just trying to sign him trying to sign Jacob Trouba. I believe they have somebody else they have to sign as well. And that puts a guy like maybe Nick Ehlers, who uh, Craig Customs put on his top 20 trade board for the summer. Who I love. I love which, Nikolai Ehlers. Oh, I love Which, if you're looking at left wings available, forwards available, this is, if, if he's out there, this is a guy you would have to look at, right? Like, this is, he's young enough that the Ducks could bring him in. They love their Europeans. He could play on a top line. You play him with Getzlaff. You may be playing with Raquel, whoever. He is a guy who can score 30. He's a playmaker. Like He's a guy that he fits perfectly into what the Ducks are trying to do and the way they want to play. And if the, you know Winnipeg wants to sign Lydon, he's going to get 10 or $11 million. And if they try and get uh, Jacob Truba signed as well, Ehlers might be the guy they send out and try to promote some younger fours because they do have guys like Kyle Connor who's proven to be a, uh, a consistent 30-goal scorer. And they do have a guy like Christian Veselainen who could come up and, and replace Nikolai Ehlers. So if he's available, I mean, you've got to go for him. Yeah, I, I doubt that Line is really looking to move out of there. I don't know, um, man. I think, I think that's more positioning to try and get a deal done and a big deal to keep him there. Because he's, once again, he's one of those franchise, if not on the cusp of generational players. So, I mean, that's one that you really don't let go after his um, entry-level contract. You at least try and get some more years out of it. And, I don't know, to be to be that young and trying to, try to jump ship, it just doesn't seem much like what a player usually ends up doing. Not saying he couldn't do it, but... I, I feel that's more positioning just to try and get a bigger, better contract. Not like he really wouldn't get it anyways, though. I, I don't know if you – if uh, Eddie, do you remember what um, what Steve Corneano said about Patrick Laine? 
Yeah, he had yeah, red flags he said he everywhere. Has a, a lot of red flags in his attitude and, and his defensive side of the game, and he was just a, he's just an elite goal scorer. And and we saw that this year he had he has slumps. He's not consistent. When he's on, he's excellent. When he's off, you don't see him, and he's he's almost a detriment to your team. But you still can't get rid of him. And I don't think and because of those red flags, I don't think a team is going to offer sheet him at ten or eleven million and give up four first round picks. I don't think you should give up four first round picks for anybody. And maybe Connor McDavid, you could argue, but even that, like four first round picks for a team that could you know possibly be bad. Mitch Marner, I don't think you give up four first round picks, and I think he's a lot better player than Patrick Laine as a complete player. But uh, you know, I think why because he's Canadian. He's Canadian. That's he's exactly. Canadian. We're not, I'm not. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> I think they get it done. I think they get Patrick Laine done. They have to. You can't trade this guy. You can't trade him at the end of an entry-level contract. He's a guy who could potentially threaten for 40 every year. Not many guys can do that, really. The only guy consistently we've seen do it is Ovechkin. So that's not a guy you get rid of. But when you think of the fact that Laine needs a contract, Kyle Connor, who I think is back-to-back, or maybe back-to-back-to-back 30 goal seasons, he needs a contract. And if they can't deal uh, Truba... Truba has to go to arbitration where he could get a big raise that doesn't favor the Winnipeg Jets. That's three guys that are going to get a lot of money. Connor could get seven or eight. Lineage is going to get 10 or 11. Truba could get five or six. You can't keep everybody. And at that point, Ehlers might be a guy you explore getting rid of because you need to just make room for all these guys that you can't get rid of. Interesting. We need we need to hire uh, Solani as uh, ambassador for the Ducks and just bring all the great Finnish players over, especially from Winnipeg. He has a lot in common with Line A in that way. <laughs> like, hey, let's go to Anaheim. <laughs> Two completely different attitudes, apparently, though. So that's yes, absolutely. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I guess the last thing is a lot of defensemen are rumored to go around. Nikola, uh, Nikita Zaitsev wants out of Toronto. Um, and he's kind of a minute-eating right-shot defenseman, but he's not the best. Leafs fans don't really like him. They kind of want to get rid of him. There's still his upsides from him. I think he's just, I think he's like 24, 25, and there still is some upsides, so there's rumors about him. Oli Mattis, another one that wants out. Obviously, we mentioned Jacob Truba, uh, Jared Spurgeon out of Minnesota, Colin Miller out of Vegas, and uh, P.K. Subban out of uh, Nashville. Those are all guys who are rumored to possibly get traded a lot of it has to do with just trying to move on from it. Some of them, like Spurgeon and Subban, are due to the fact that the expansion draft is coming up and the Wild risk losing Spurgeon for nothing and Nashville risk losing P.K. Subban for nothing. The Ducks are in desperate need of a right-shot defense, but I don't think any of those fit. But there's natural link there because of the fact that they're, they're, it's really Josh Manson and then nobody after that. Well, how do you yeah. feel about Nikita Zaitsev, guys? I'm not a fan. I'm no, not, I'm not a big fan either. Yeah, I, I nothing. I, I feel like he's going to be the the bottom four on defense, if if that. I mean, he gives us a little bit more depth, I guess. Um, and come injury time, that that might help. But it's not like a guy that's going to completely uh, bust open, uh, you know, the defense and really kind of make a huge impact, in my opinion. I'd like to see more of Truba, but then we got to try and make the salary work and that sort of deal. And he's like an RFA. That's the tough one about Truba. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, yeah, they went through arbitration last year with Winnipeg uh, or just about to it. Um, so, I mean, that would be ideal for, for me. I think that's the best thing because right now we're, we're still kind of looking for that fourth defenseman. You know, if uh, Brendan Gould might be it, we might have that. But everywhere else, we're, we're a little bit thinner on defense. So, I'd, I'd be more apt to see a move that kind of strengthens our defensive core, at least the, the top four. Hopefully. I agree. That's what I would rather yes. see. Zaitsev is okay. Like, I don't think there's any question that he's an NHL player. I think yeah. he is. 
the, the question is, is he a, like a five or is he a four? And, you know, in, in Craig Custer's article, or, uh, he said a scout said the difference is can he play 15 minutes or can he play 22 minutes a night? And you don't know that yet. And he's making four and a half million. So the Ducks can't even just bring him in. They have to move some salary out. And, and again, this and he's is got trauma. a massive contract, too. His contract's li- yeah. He's 27. It's not like he's a young guy. Now, now if Toronto was willing to do the same deal, well, we were talking about Patrick Marlowe, or just even a one for one side set for Eves, and then, you know, they put Eves on the LTIR, the Ducks probably still can't make that work because they have to take the full four and a half. Uh, but there's there's ways you could make it work if they wanted to have a right shot defenseman they know can play like not like guys like Suster and Dodson and, and Holzer where they they're they're fringe, fringe NHL guys you know Zaitsev's NHL player so if they want to be competitive and this is the only guy they can get and probably the most likely guy like you're not going to go get Subin uh, you're not going to go get Spurgeon like those guys are going to cost you a lot of money even Colin Miller these are really really good players those are guys who are definitely a four. Uh, if not higher, and Subban is, is arguably a three or a two in most systems. If it comes to the Ducks, he's probably their best defenseman, right? Like, I, you know, we all love Hampus Lindholm, but name-wise, Subban comes in and you would put him at the top of the depth chart for the Ducks on the blue line. They just can't make that type of move possible at this point. But Zaitsev seems like the most realistic option if they really wanted to go out and get a guy because there are no... Uh, right shot defenseman of quality other than really Eric Carlson and Jacob Trubray in free agency. I can't I can't see Zaitsev coming, dude. He, what he played the second most minutes five on five for the Leafs. He's averaging seventeen minutes a night, but he's not blowing your skirt up. What he he has fourteen points or something like that in a season. Um, yeah. And the Ducks do need offense from that blue line. And he, I don't think he's a number two defenseman. He's he's playing the second most minutes five on five, but not performing like one. I, I, he's more of probably like you said a four five, and we don't need another one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah and if anything, if there's a right-handed shot, uh, Bob Murray wants one that can man the power play or, you know, have a point shot, something like that. So he's looking maybe for a bigger shooter. Um, and I don't think Zyke, uh, uh hits that. You know, that's not in his repertoire. So I don't think he's necessarily a great fit. But like Ed said, if they're desperate, they might do something to just fill the hole for now. But that's an expensive fix. Very expensive and detrimental, I feel like, to the team at this point. They don't need to add any more contracts that are lasting six years or seven years. That's just too much. Well, that's it for trade rumors. The last thing we really have is uh, the Ducks. This kind of, I think, came out the other day. And uh, some people found, I think James Myrtle was the first person to tweet out that uh, Leafs former director of sports science and performance, Jeremy Bettle, left the organization and then a, a few people did their own investigative journalism and checked his LinkedIn page and found out that he's the new director of high performance for the Anaheim Ducks. Normally I don't think we would care about anything like this, uh, but you know, I hadn't even heard of this guy before, but he's been apparently doing some magical things with the, with the, the Maple Leafs in, in terms of preventing injuries and getting players back from injuries quicker. And uh, when you look at the Ducks history of the last few years with injuries, I guess even like Jason, you said this uh, before we started the show, the last decade, the Ducks have dealt with injury problems. And it seems like every year there's, you know, some of their top players, at least everybody goes down at some point for a couple of games. This 
kind of carries a little bit more weight behind it. And, you know, there's a, a great article on The Athletic that you can check out that, that kind of talks about this entire thing. I think it was written by James Middle as well. And it really talks about all of his accomplishments and what he's done with the Leafs. Um, but a, a quote from it that I want to read really quickly before we get into it says that from all indications, it's uh, he believes that you can predict injuries before they happen precisely by nipping them in the bud with data. It's why James Van Riemsdyk and Matt Martin were held out of a game in late October and why the team has occasionally canceled morning skates and practices and mixed in a healthy amount of days off. I don't know much about this, <laughs> yeah. but it's clear to everybody seeing it that the Ducks have injury problems or have problems keeping their players healthy or preventing injuries. He, from what I've read, seems like the perfect guy to bring in and do that. I'm glad they finally went out to address this because how many times have we talked about the fact that how how can you fix this before? We're like, Six how do you years in a row? <laughs> how do you, how do you, like, it was literally the problem, like, how do you fix this? There's nothing you could do. It has to be the Ducks, you know, conditioning staff. Well, it turns out it must have been, and they realized they had a problem. They brought in arguably, I guess, one of the best in the business to fix it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think they they had a little stat there where, um, as far as uh, Detroit or Detroit Toronto players that have played uh, eighty plus games last season, I think they had seven or eight players that played eighty yeah. plus games. The Ducks had one. Uh, so I mean that that's already you know if you can get halfway there and we get four players I mean that's huge uh, you know short of you know your Coglianos uh, there's just not too many players on the Ducks that tend to last through the entire season so uh, you know it's it's all good things and let's put it this way it can't get any worse than it's been so I mean any sort of uh, you know acknowledgement and you know move towards improvement that's all you can kind of hope for. So, you know, who cares? And let's see where it goes from there. But, you know, kind of really under the radar type signing that no one would have really ever thought about until you go like, yeah, the Ducks really are constantly injured. So. The guy, he used to, he's coached rugby. He uh, He's helped uh, NBA stars like uh, like Kevin Garnett, Deron Williams in the weight room develop. I'm reading this off the athletic article from 2017, by the way. Develop wow. post-injury recovery processes for athletes at a physical therapy clinic, trained athletes at a premier sports science facility, and overseeing the strength and conditioning program of a prestigious California university, has a PhD in human performance, a master's in exercise science, and another degree in sports and exercise science. He it's knows a lot company. about about uh, about taking care of the human body and what's best for it. And the Ducks, I mean, obviously need it. I mean, outside of mumps, I mean, every 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 other thing that's happened to the Ducks has just been horrific injuries. Like, the bumps were terrible, but it was a league-wide thing that apparently Minnesota, I think, spread that uh, they won't admit to or something like that. My my favorite, and I think I brought this up before. (laughs) I don't know if it was on our Puck Guys when we 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 used to do that show. I think so, we did, yeah. When he did the, uh, when I I said that Sidney Crosby looked like Quagmire from Family Guy. He was like, (laughs) this super huge chin on his face. (laughs) Brutal. The mumps. But yeah, this is a great move for Anaheim. They need it, dude. Especially with all the old guys on this team. <laughs> they, yeah. need to, they need to keep guys in the lineup here. They needed this before with Ryan Kessler, honestly, to to maybe help him along in his development. Maybe he could have got back a little bit sooner or a little bit healthier. And now, of course, uh, our, you know his season is done for next year. Possibly his career is done. Not saying this guy could have came in and helped. Uh, and it's not something we normally talk about, right? Like normally you just gloss over this, and, and when you hear these behind the scenes hirings, whether it's you know it's somebody in in the in the training room, uh, but this is big for the Ducks when again you look at their injury history, and you know what, whether it changes anything or not, who knows? I mean, there's a we we still don't know the factors that go into why 
the Ducks always get so many injuries. It could be luck. It could be a, a bunch of different things. It could have been their their training staff. It could, it could be their conditioning staff. Who knows? But hopefully this that, that Jeremy can come in and do something, right? It, it, it can only get better. It can't get worse. You know, you look at the last few seasons where the, the injuries have just been monumental and have cost the Ducks, I guess you could say sometimes playoff series, when you look at some of the guys who've been out and hurt in the playoffs and, and cost them the, to bad, you know, brought them to bad starts at the beginning of the season because guys have been hurt to start the season. Both years we've had a significant amount of guys out to start the season. If he can come in and remedy that or fix it a little bit, it, it's a win. Hey, so the Ducks yeah. also got nominated, you guys. Did you see that for the 2019 uh, yeah. yes, yes. Sports Humanitarian Team of the Year? Yeah. That's and, crazy. At first I thought it was uh, just hockey-related, but that's all of sports. They yeah, do a lot. Them, the, them, the Dodgers, uh, Chicago Fire, and New York City FC. And it's back-to-back years for, for yeah. the Ducks, I think, right? To, that They got yeah. nominated for that. So Not only if they could do more for their season ticket holders, just throwing yeah. that out there. Just, just a little something. Yeah. Make it for you. Come on. Just a little something. Side. Oh, we got to talk <laughs> about one more thing down. while we have time. I know oh, we got yeah. a little extra time here. Um, yeah. It's it's really nice to know that Jace is not the only one receiving crazy mail from fake oh, people. Gosh, I saw that all over Twitter in the last week. People talking about it all over the hockey, uh, all over the hockey sphere, everywhere. People were like, okay. this, uh, yeah, I miss not getting this. Or like, you know, posting pictures of it, like, for those of you who don't know, Jason, tell, tell everyone what you've gotten twice now. <laughs> twice. Uh, unsolicited snail mail. So this is not an email. This is not me saying, hey, send me articles on whatever the hell you want. But they are random articles. Uh, two years ago, it said that it was addressed from the senior marketing director for the Anaheim Ducks. His name's like Scott or Steve or something like that. Anyways, it was apparently came from his house. It had his return address. And it was just, you know, <laughs> someone went online, printed out stuff on Getzloff. Uh, this is back when he had the um, the uh, fine for the homophobic slur. And so they sent me a whole bunch of articles on what Andrew Shaw did that was, you know, homophobic slurs and things like that. Things I didn't want, didn't ask for, got that. And then I got another one about a month ago. I was talking about goalie wingspan and um, their uh, 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 dexterity between left and right hand. And it should really be focused more on this. And then they're talking about, yeah, you want to bring down the goalie gear, do this. I have no idea why I'm getting any of this stuff. So I... Uh, I think it was Chip from uh, Totally Offside. It's got the exact same thing mailed to her the day after I got it. So, it's all over Twitter, like, too. Look it up, here. man. Okay, that's crazy. It's crazy. If you're If that so person is listening to the address. show, if the person who does is listening to the show, send me some. I want yeah, some memorabilia. <laughs> I want something. I want some memorabilia. You want to frame, some... frame it. Yeah. Yeah. I, want, I am jealous. Jason's got, not, Jason and these cool other, up, other guys man. got these. You can have my stuff. I'll give it to you. Send, send some to Ed. I don't know if they get mail in Canada, but it, Canada. It, it, no, I don't, I don't know. think so. Not too far. It's, it's only U.S. bound. <laughs> yeah, the Mounties don't go that far. He doesn't want to pay the fee to send it to Canada to harass you. I would love right. a hockey stalker. That's great. I would love to get that uh, that crazy mail. I would love to see that. That, that takes time to put together. To find my address? I mean... That's pretty easy. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I guess. But you, you can do the... He did it as mine was the return address and then sent it to somebody I've never met. They didn't pick it up or whatever, and it got mailed back to me. 
I have no idea why they're sending it out in my name. So then it looks like I'm a creeper. So now I'm thinking it never even came from the Anaheim Ducks guy. They just kind of did the same sort of oh, thing and went so to me. And was, oh, it's creepy, man. It's not fun. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Yeah, why is and then my wife got mad stuff? because it was a woman's name that I apparently had sent it to. Uh, so yeah. who's this? Who's this? And I'm like, I have no idea. But I did that like do I know this person? You know, do I, have I met her through, you know, one of the watch parties or something? My mind's turning. She's just staring at me daggers. And I'm just like, I can't think of this. I bet it looks suspicious. Oh, it's so good. That's so oh yeah. Good. So great. So I love good. It. I love it. Um, what do we got coming up guys? We got a uh, pucks and Bruce show. That'll be free for all this month. Uh, wrapping up the Stanley cup final, talking mm-hmm. about off season stuff, talking about the league as a whole. We're going to ask for uh, listener questions. That's coming up here in the next few days. We're probably going to wait till after the finals Rats. are over. Sunday's yeah. over if the if the Blues win tomorrow, and yeah. then Wednesday it'll be over. Um, if it goes game seven, if it goes to game seven, yeah. so you mean when the Blues win tomorrow? So my prediction yes. can be one hundred percent correct because yeah. I, on our last show, I said it's going to come out the the Bruins are going to win game one, Blues are going to win game two. It's going to come out after game four, tied at two, and the Blues are going to win game five and game six. Off a so missed call, tomorrow, more controversy nah. in the NHL, my friend. <laughs> We don't have the time to discuss on this yeah, show. Yeah, there's that, and then yeah, and then Shara breaking their you know, smashing his jaw. Just, oh, She's nuts off for doing cocaine and getting away with it. <laughs> yeah, we have that too. So it wasn't cocaine. Stuff. It was it was uh, Raven's Revenge, the old school candy they had. The back stocked up in, up in Russia, what? and that's what he had. It was like a powdery it's substance. Six, yeah, yeah, or that. Uh, it's either one of those. Oh, we- yeah, well, me and Pat can tell you about our, our snorting antics when we were uh, youngins, too. That's for another time. <laughs> not <laughs> drug-related. Really it's not drug-related. It's, it's really stupid. Yeah, of course related, not so. now. Yeah, of course not now drug-related. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. we got for today, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back here in a couple of days with Pucks and Bruce, so stay tuned for that. Uh, it's usually a Patreon-only show, but we're opening that up here in the off-season a little bit to uh, show people what we got. And uh, we'll talk to yeah. you guys then. Bye, guys.